Welcome to Expounded Universe, Special Edition, Part 2, Slurpin' the Dirt. The book, Star Wars Galaxy of Fear, Eaten Alive. Written by John Whitman. The year, 1997. With your hosts, Jeff and John. Well, let's... You know what? I'm better than this. Sir, I demand a raise immediately. everybody welcome back to expounded universe the star wars expanded universe novel discussion podcast the one where i'm jeff oh boy i love that one <laughs> how are your feelings about the one where i'm not jeff Ooh, not great mm, yeah i can see that i i lack a certain jeffness in those yeah the the jeffosity in that is <laughs> it's uh it's not great i'll say that much a certain jeffness is my favorite uh blue collar comedy tour album maybe <laughs> we're gonna let that one slide by <laughs> we gonna we gonna go with that is that what we're going? <laughs> uh, yeah i uh i tried <laughs> and that's all that matters we're putting a gold star up on the oh sweet this whole podcast is going right on the fridge <laughs> five more gold stars and you get a pizza party oh man i was excited about the otter pop party <laughs> the otter pop party no one's excited about an otter pop party i i am i gotta be very honest with you here right now john as excited as i am about pizza especially if we're talking about like childhood age pizza events which means going to get like that that pizza hut back when pizza hut was any good like the skillet pan pizza that you got for read enough books oh back when you got essentially what looked like three pieces of bread stacked on top of each other with some cheese and sauce on it. <laughs> Is that what? Oh, yeah, they were a little thick, those skillet pan pizzas, weren't they? Ooh, they were thick. I mean, I, I'll be on, I, I, again, continuing my, my practice of being an honest person to a fault. I was never much of a Pizza Hut guy, and neither were my parents. So oh, no. Pizza Hut sucks ass. I've mostly picked up that. Well, apparently they suck ass recently. No, like specifically recently, but I, I don't know. No, I I have disliked Pizza Hut since I was a kid. They have always had just a horrible, porous, grease filled crust. And your pizza itself is either essentially way too much bread. Like like I said, it's basically just like, oh, I've got three slices of bread that I'm chewing through with some sauce on it or it's just kind of floppity grease. It's just nasty. Fuck Pizza Hut forever. Yeah, when before I met you, my roommate that I was living with, him and his best friend worked at the local Pizza Hut. They were drivers, and they would routinely bring home their favorite Pizza Hut pizza, which they got free from the cooks, mm -hmm. which was, I, I forget what they specifically called it. Like, they had a nickname for it, but the, the, uh, the basics of it were that it was extra, extra, extra sauce. Ew. So it was basically like a soup bowl of marinara sauce on top of that butter sponge that they call dough. Oh, good. So you are basically just getting the world's nastiest bread bowl of tomato soup. Yeah, no, I and I knew it well enough not to partake in that garbage uh, because I live near a burrito restaurant. So why would I ever eat that nonsense? But uh, I remember seeing it routinely in the fridge 
that just three inches of congealed sauce. Like even thinking about it being like, oh, I guess if you got enough, like a thick enough pizza that's sort of treating it like dip for breadsticks where you'd like tear some of the crust off and dip it in there. I guess I can almost understand that. But the thought of that being in a refrigerator overnight is just like, huh? Huh? <laughs> I'm just, I'm really trying to remember what the heck they called it. it. It had soup in the name, but it was, it was a disgusting thing. Uh, I just, I'm trying to latch on to the modern internet nostalgia for what pizza hut was like when everybody was in fourth grade, but I assume no, it, was it was garbage and, and I can tell you one thing that was not garbage when I was in fourth grade, and that was fucking Otter Pops. <laughs> so that's Except why I'm so now excited. now they are. Yeah, I know, but I'm not excited about having an Otter Pop party now. I'm, I'm excited about having one in 1990. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> now I'd be excited about having any kind of human interaction at all. Yeah, any kind of party where there was another human there, and I could see them. Yeah, that would be awesome. Anyway, thank you for putting a gold star on the fridge. There you go. And that's the bit. We close the loop. So it is now time for us to discuss chapters 9 through 12 of Galaxy of Fears, Eaten Alive. Yes. Uh, Where where last we left our heroes, Zack and Tash were fleeing for their very lives from gank killers pursuing them through the little township on the planet Devourin. Uh, but right as they reached the don't go in and begged their way into the building, the ganks vanished behind them without a trace. Indeed. So we pick up immediately with Zack and Tash being in trouble for this and Hool's questioning them like, oh, how, how dare you make us so unpopular and wake everybody up? And Hool's like, there's no ganks. You were having a dream. You know, you're a dumb kid. Shut up. But I gotta wonder, like, why does he think that there were no ganks? Like, just that afternoon, a hut with gank killers was like, hey, I'm gonna murder you. Yeah, specifically, it was like, yeah, you're definitely gonna work with, or or, uh, I'm definitely going to murder you, or get you to work for me, and I'll do it by whatever means necessary, including blackmail and so on. The, The possibility that ganks would be sent to kidnap his wards is actually very high. Yeah, the second she was like, we were being chased by gangs, and then they weren't there by the time we got to the don't go in, you'd think he would be like, oh, they probably knew you were making a bunch of noise through the town and didn't want to get caught and fucked off. But instead, he's like, nope, there's no way that could happen. Well, and notably, he's trying to to uh, beg it off by saying that there's no uh, footprints, that, that clearly you can see the children's footprints running through the dirt of the town but not the gank footprints. Yeah. And it makes me wonder, do they, I mean, aren't there dozens of gank footprints all over town already anyway, or do they come through and sweep all the footprints out every night? This was my question when we got the whole, there weren't footprints last time is I'm like, (laughs) what, what's the makeup of the dirt here? Is it like mud consistency where when you press down, it like leaves an actual indentation or what's going on here? What's the dirt we've situation? Been given a, yeah, we've been given a lot of information about footprints. Footprints appear to be an exceptionally important part of this story overall, uh, especially given the Devourin planet's capability to somehow erase them along with the people that it captures. Uh, but wouldn't the town be full of footprints all the time anyway, especially including like hut trails and gank footprints? 
Yeah. Because ganks are known to be in town. Like, I just, it would be very weird to me if they were like, look, it's only your footprints over there. The rest of the street is pristine. Someone at the end of the night goes through and sweeps the street so that there's no footprints every night. That's how we have nighttime kidnapping accountability. <laughs> that's our that's our way of dealing with kidnappings. Brought to you by the Enzine. <laughs> it's just so <laughs> weird to me that he is full on 100% unmovably certain that for some reason Tash was sleep running. Yeah, yeah. It, it will and notably we also already had the other story from Bebo about how he was bringing his friend Lonnie out and then she disappeared. So we have more than one disappearance, no footprints allegation in town inside of a, what, seven hour span. Yeah. And he's like, both of these weird coincidences are absolute bullshit. Yeah. I mean, Tash even is like, yo, I straight up bit a gank and stomped on his foot, grabbed Zack and ran with him. That's not shit you do when you are asleep. Uh, and yet he's like, nah, nah, you dreamed it. You dreamed it all. There's nothing. Nothing <laughs> yeah. happened. Yeah, absolutely. I, I uh, The worst part about all of this, though, is that rather than consistently dealing with her as if she's believable in any way, he just kind of tries to get Zack to cast doubt on the situation. And Zack, because he's a little shit, is like, yeah, I'm willing to do that. Well, yeah, he's like, hey, Zack, did you actually see these ganks and he's like well no <laughs> well it was really dark i thought i saw something but i i don't i i couldn't say for sure that it was a gank but i definitely saw something and i was scared yeah and, and then he gets him with like some police interrogation bullshit does oh Google, yeah he's, he's like, straight cross-examining this dude yeah he's like listen up zach let's say that you had to open the door of your spaceship and maybe get sucked out into oblivion but maybe there's ice cream out there but you can't be sure do you open the door <laughs> well no because i can't be sure well then there were never any ganks and your, your sister's, a damn, sister's a damn liar your honor that is why you must dismiss uh and i the fact that he's still going on about Tash, like, fucking with the Lightrunner's computer when they already had confirmation that someone else had the exact same problem. It's like, oh, oh, my yeah, dude, who will fuck you? That's egregious at this point, because it, it, by this time in the book, sure, she did that, but we've had seven chapters in a row of other people being like, yeah, no, the, the planet's wildly off course. Bebo confirmed it, and then fucking Luke, Leia, and Han came along and were like, oh, no, the same shit happened to us. It's, I mean... Luke was in the cockpit, sure, but he wasn't pretending to be a Jedi. He is a Jedi. <laughs> and the thing is... <laughs> sure, Chewbacca was in the cockpit pretending to be a Jedi, but that's a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing that gets me is, the beginning of this book, we were told that the reason Devourin, like, is important and people are going out there is because it was just discovered and normally... Like, no one knew it was out there, which means the whole fact that, like, oh, star charts might not be completely accurate around this place feels like a thing that they should, well, whatever, fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, especially given that Hool is still just off doing mysterious Hool shit. Yeah, he's like, look, I know that we got here and a gangster and a group of thugs put guns to your heads 
and uh, we barely managed to get away from them with some intervention. But uh, I know you told me that you also almost got kidnapped. I got some shit to do, though, so if y'all could just hang out. I'll just be right here, somewhere away from you. You guys go back to that creepy guy's house, huh? Uh, what do you think? That's great. Yeah. Oh, God. It's not a good time to come visit right now, sweetie. The vibe in the house is all wrong. <laughs> Look, you... I, I want no bad vibes. Good vibes only. Tash, you're <laughs> totally fucking up my chill. <laughs> I know you and Patricia don't get along, and frankly, I'd rather bang her than have you over. Ah, <laughs> uh, cool. Okay, well, in any event... Eventually, uh, Hool gaslights her enough that she begins to doubt her own experiences. Yeah, and she's like, look, just promise me you won't disappear, okay, Hool? <laughs> I promise. <laughs> anyway, I gotta go. Right, and then we cut to, a few hours later, Zack is getting his skimboard ready for some good old-fashioned skimboard practice. Can I just say that the entire skimboard thing takes up like multiple pages like five pages and that's too much to describe a dude skateboarding <laughs> oh it is so much and not only that but it's also a lot of like 80s tv shit where it's just it's just like well he did charge up the engine of a skimboard so he could do badass extreme sports but he also made sure to strap on every one of his pads because he didn't want to be road rash Plus, he told a responsible adult where he'd be going and also set a timeline for when he should be back. Yeah, the the aside where he's like, and I strapped on all my pads and helmet. I'm no fool. I know what's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it's kind of a moment. Uh, but yeah, there, It's just page after page of like descriptions of what this thing is. It's it's a skateboard. That I mean, it's the fucking skateboard from Back to the Future Part Two. I mean, we we know this. It's, it's understood when he said skimboard, everyone was up to speed already. Yeah, but here's the thing: there's apparently in skimboards a safety mechanism where if you would go flying into a wall, it has a repulsor that will try and turn you around, basically. Yes. And so, super cool trick borders will go as fast as possible at a wall, and then the second the repulsor kicks on and they start tilting up, they will turn off the bottom repulsors and turn on the bottom uh, engine so that they shoot upwards into the air. Yes, yeah. So basically, instead of using a half pipe to get into a vertical position, they just ram themselves into walls and then kind of go skating up the wall. And they make a big thing about how, like, the best skimboarders can get, like, five or six feet off the ground. Yeah, you can end up shooting yourself straight up into the air. Good for you. Yeah, and then you land safely because it's still on a repulsor, so it won't let you hit the ground. It just You just sort of slowly descend. And, and that is what the coolest skimboarders do. All the coolest skimboarders don't do any kinds of real tricks. They just shoot themselves at walls. <laughs> yep. That's the big cool trick is going top speed at a wall. Well, it turns out that apparently Chewbacca had some spare time yesterday, and he took Zack's skimboard and sort of goosed it up a little so it's more powerful than it ever has been before. Yeah, we know during the last episode that Chewbacca was like, hey, my dude, I'm going to help you out with this skimboard. We're going to make this super cool. Except instead of his skimboard being 
essentially the standard type of uh like back to the future level maybe a foot off the ground or a little more he's like probably a good 15 feet in the air he specifically says that he's so high off the ground that chewbacca would not be able to reach him even with his arms out yeah which which lets us know that he is yeah probably about 10 12 feet in the air yep and uh so he's like, okay, I got to find a tall building to do this since I've goosed this up so that I'm so high in the air. So I have to run full tilt with my board at the second floor of the don't go in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the don't go in is only a two-story building, but he's like, there's still a good, like, five meters I could go up the side of this thing. Yeah. I got to thing- I gotta get there because, you know... Some people think a slashers, that's what the name for uh skimboarders is. Yeah, Something, you, you got to call us you got to call us slashers, bro. That's the cool name for us. Some people think slashers are lazy and delinquents, but that's not true. You got to be brave, dude. If you want to slash, if you want to go vert, you got to be brave. Yeah, no, if you're not brave and you're not like courageous or whatever, then we call you a slosher. See, that's with an O like that. It's, it's, I know it sounds like slasher with my kind of cool beachy accent, but we're sloshers and we don't like sloshers, okay? Right. But what did I do? Fucking z- <laughs> <laughs> Uh Yeah, so anyway, I mean, we this goes on for fucking forever. And then ultimately he goes shooting up the side of the thing, but apparently the repulsors are too powerful now, thanks to Chewbacca. So instead of just shooting up the side of the wall, he shoots away from the wall, 50 feet in the air, and then lands on his helmet, which is super tech and keeps him alive. Yeah. It's a good thing. He was wearing protective gear or he'd be a stain. Thanks. Helmets and pads. Ding. And then Leonardo popped up and was like, bro, if you want to be a safe skateboarder, you got to know how to play it cool. Just take it from my pal Garfield. Uh, you know, kids, we've had a lot of fun today, but a true hero will wear all of their protective gear. G.I. Right, Joe! <laughs> and now over to one of the Smurfs. I don't care which one. I just, can I say, I love that the one real thing that they've given him is, you know, tech stuff, but skimboarding is like the, oh, I'm cool, and that's how I'm courageous and rad. And I, mm-hmm. the fact that Tash gets, like, Jedi powers and he's a good skimboarder is some real Angel Summoner in the BMX Bandit shit. <laughs> well, that depends on whether or not she's actually a Jedi. We we don't know. I mean, of course she is. Anyone in the Star Wars fictional universe who thinks they might be a Jedi is. Yeah. Do you have feelings about anything? You're a Jedi. Everyone else, <laughs> they don't get feelings about things. They just walk no, they're blindly cold. around. They're cold and callous. <laughs> Colder, more calculating. To them, the world is just shadows cast through a pipe onto the wall of a cave. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Anyway, when he when he head plants into the ground with his cool safety pads on, he's like, thank God I wore my helmet. Thanks, space God. Uh, and then when he flips his helmet open, oh, no, there's shapes above him. It's smat at a hut. And he's like, hey, yo, we came to kill you. Oh, uh, look at that. We were just going to kill you. This is great. Thanks, kid. We're here to kill you. Yeah. Hey, kids, look at this. He fell down. We can kill him now. And that's where the cha- where the chapter ends. Yes. Ugh. So the next chapter begins with Smada explaining his plan. He's like, yeah, of course, we're going to kill you. Once we kill you, 
then you're gonna, your uncle's going to come and work for me because he'll be swayed by my persuasive argument of, I killed your kid. Yay, see, I'm going to kill you to show I mean business. I'm going to kidnap your sister as insurance, and then finally I'll get a guy who hates me to be an assassin. <laughs> I hate you to be an assassin. <laughs> you mission accomplished. <laughs> No, you're right. I used poor grandma in that situation, but uh, notwithstanding, I am going to kill you. <laughs> you are going to die, though. I will need to explain several more things, though. Please <laughs> do not shoot him until I have finished. <laughs> this dead body needs some further information. I just like talking to people, you know? You gate killers, you say nothing. At least the boy answers me. Ah, <laughs> huh, boy? What can I say? I'm, uh... I I'm an extrovert. Let me let me let me tell you about my Myers Briggs results. They're very interesting from a hut. Hey, can I give you a, a slimy eel or a lizard <laughs> right, monkey? He's, he's eating some eels. He's eating delicious eels, much like how Jabba ate like bug frogs or whatever. Hopefully, these are fleek eels to keep everything kind of inside of the expanded universe. Hopefully, we can only hope. One can only hope that Smatter the Hut eats fleek eels. Indeed. Uh, that's the that's the great hope of our age and coming out from nowhere to save the day is bebo yelling doomed just shrieking at the top of his lungs doomed 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 indeed we're all doomed i'm sorry are you saying the video game doom would you like to play Doom with my gank killers? <laughs> I've got a great place back here. We got a hot tub. I tried <laughs> to model is... it after the emperors. Of course, I've I've installed Doom on the hot tub. It's uh, it's a it's sort of a running gag tradition from the early Earth internet. <laughs> of course, to turn left, you got to turn the jets on and off. So it's uh, it makes the whole experience pretty weird, but it's it runs very pleasurable, I might say. Hey, hey, hey somebody kill that guy. <laughs> yeah, so the gangs start kind of shooting warning shots at him, but nothing's hitting. And then a gank draws a bead directly on Bebo and fires, and it just bounces away from him and hits the ground. Yeah. And the other gangs are like, ha, what a dingus. All right, somebody kill this idiot. And they keep trying, and nothing hits him. Yep, turns out Bebo is immune to blasters. Yep. He just... Uh, eventually they shoot so much that he is covered in a cloud of smoke and the smoke clears and he's still just sort of huddling on the ground completely fine. Yeah, he just kind of gets scared and goes into a fetal position complaining about how he would really rather play Doom. <laughs> uh, and then, <laughs> you know, they go over to investigate and I think they're getting ready to stomp him to death because obviously you can't shoot the guy. Well, yeah, Smart is like, I'll kill you myself! Yeah, I'll use my I'll use my hot powers. I'll go roll off of this here hovercot. Get right on yous. <laughs> now, if you don't mind, I'm going to go on for several pages about hot uh, hovercot mechanics. Now, when you got a hot hovercot, you're gonna want to look under the carriage. Now, <laughs> what kind don't of noise is it making? Put on all your safety equipment, right? Safety first. That's uh, that's the hut way. Gloves and goggles, everybody. You don't deal with a hovercart without gloves and goggles. <laughs> uh, but as they go over to try and kill Bebo his, themselves, uh, they are interrupted by the townspeople and Hool. Yeah, Hool shows up with 
about two dozen people, all of them with guns, and they're like, hey, fuck off. And instead of being like, we've got two dozen guns, let's just shoot you idiots, because no one here wants Smata, and he's on the run, so it's not like, oh, if we kill this hut, then other huts are going to come get us. Like, No, if, if anything, other huts are going to reward them. Yeah, you could just murder this idiot, go to the gangsters that are after him and be like, hey, we killed that dude that you wanted dead. Can we get a reward? Yeah, exactly. I mean, ultimately, they also establish over the course of these chapters that Hut li that Smata lives in like a fortress outside of town. Oh, yeah. He's but, got but some he's in... <laughs> like very heavily patrolled middle of the forest thing. But he keeps going out by himself. I mean, just shoot the guy. Yeah, it's just him and a few ganks. Just, you got 24 dudes with blasters. Just have at. Yeah, just go nuts. I mean, I know huts are very resilient, and there's even that, like, one hut in the expanded universe caught in it. He's missing all of his head. Hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of that guy, the hut no. that's got, like, there's a hut in continuity. I think, I think specifically it was Mace Windu what fucked him up, but there's a hut out there that is missing most of his head. Like, it just got blown right. off of him, but he's... But they're very, very resilient, so he's still alive. All right. Any, anyhow, uh, rather than killing them, they just run them out of town, and, and Smato's still like, hey, look, Hool, you're gonna work for me. I'm gonna kill you and your kids. Yeah. Look, that guy, Bebo, you're dead. <laughs> you and your friends are dead. I'm gonna kill you anyway. Bye. I'll see you in the inn. I drinks at seven. <laughs> Right, everybody in town who, by the way, I am also going to kill. <laughs> this would be a perfect opportunity to shoot me. Ugh. Well, he gets run out of town. And uh, basically, at this point, Bebo's like, great. Well, now that I've got everybody in town here, let me tell you why you're all doomed. And they're all just like, ah, Bebo. And oh, they walk you. away. Yeah, because Zach's like, oh, uh, Bebo saved my life by showing up and being a uh, crazy weirdo that's immune to blasters. And everyone was like, oh, really? Wow. And then... Good job, Bebo. Bebo's just like, oh, disappearing. Yeah, yeah. He just goes right back into his weird ranting, and so everybody dismisses him. Except for Tash, because Tash is like, all right, look, this guy also watches people disappear. She, He also has weird feelings that something weird and wrong is going on. Uh, hey, Uncle Hool, can I stay and talk to the to the disheveled hobo ma maniac? And he's like, ha ha, I don't care as long as you stay out of my shit. He's like, I don't know if that's safe. That hut and his gank killers could be back any second. Well, what if Zack stays with me? Ah, oh, that ought to do it. Let's get both of the people he wants in the same place. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Problem solved. Thanks, Hool. <laughs> uh, but Zack's like, nah, fuck off. I don't want to do that. And he's like, all right, well, fine. DV can hang out with you. My protocol droid will keep you safe from a hut and his trained murderers. No, says DV. I can't wait. Fucking Hool is the literal worst. <laughs> I keep one waiting for the turnaround that's going to redeem him. Like when we find out that he's off in the jungle doing like good guy shit or something. Yeah, because so far he's just like, hey, I know your life has been threatened like no less than two to three times now. But, you know, I got to see a man about a horse. So go fuck yourself. Yeah, all right. I'm going to disappear mysteriously again. Uh, 
Yep, just checking. Uh, according to the script, I am the enabler of horror scenarios. <laughs> I am the standard adult in a horror movie. Nowhere to children. be seen. I vanish for long stretches and then I show up at random intervals to disbelieve you. Hmm. Uh, uh, so she goes off and talks to Bebo and Bebo's like, oh, you think that was weird shit? Why don't you come with me and I'll show you some really weird shit. <laughs> and he just grabs Tash's hand and starts running off like, let's go. Let's go. We got weird shit to look at and drags her off into the forest. Yeah. Uh, we got a little aside where Zach was like, oh, I got to power down this skim board because it's too powerful. And, yeah. you know, indeed he does. And then a shadow falls across him and he is gone. Yeah, he gets disappeared. And uh, uh, Bebo leads Tash into the woods and shoves her in a hole. Yep, he takes her out to the, the old willow tree that B Tom Bombadil needs to keep at bay. And he's like, look, there's a cave in there. And he just kicks her into it. And she's like, I don't want to go. Ah, falls in the hole. <laughs> Luckily, she lands somewhere soft. Ah, yes. So soft. Don't make fun of me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a very short trip. Like... She just yips and lands on a uh -huh. big old cushion. Yeah, it turns out there's a nice pile of mattresses right underneath the hole in the tree. So she falls down in there, and it's completely dark. And then right after she rolls out of the way, she Bebo falls down and lands next to her. Yeah. And he runs around and finally finds the light switch. And she's in uh, the lair that Sonic had in Sonic the Hedgehog the movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a cave full of stuff that references a need for alacrity. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a fast cave. <laughs> now, she's in like a secret imperial laboratory. I mean, not yet. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. There's an, there's a, you're right. There's an entryway that's just a cool hangout for cool hobos. Yeah, there's like a mat and some stuff. And then like that leads into a laboratory with a bunch of crap strewn all about. Like yeah, broken yeah, equipment so. and vials and whatnot. Things that let you know that this was a laboratory. Now, the first thing that happens when she lands, besides being dark and scared, is that she immediately feels like everything is more dangerous now. Like, this is the, the sense of dread that she's had for being on this planet increases dramatically when she goes underground on the planet. It's like, oh, it is as if the dread is coming from underneath the ground. From this, the planet Devouran, which none of us have put together yet. Uh, but yeah, it turns out this is where Lonnie lived. Right. Yeah, not, not Bebo, but Lonnie has been hiding out down here, living alone, and hiding from whatever has been disappearing all of the crew. Yeah, and this is where we find out the truth of what actually happened to the uh, misanthrope when it crashed. Yeah, the yeah, Bebo's ship, the Misanthrope, uh, crashed the same way every other ship crashes on this planet, which is that it's wildly off course according to the hyperspace charts. Uh, when it crashed, that no one died in the crash, uh, everybody was greeted by uh, Chewed in the other end zine, and then they kind of helped them get started not repairing because they don't know how to help people get off planet, but kind of settling, like getting them like shelter and so on while they could try to effect repairs on their own ship. And then, one by one... They started disappearing. Yes. They they thought, you know, oh, maybe someone just got lost. 
you know, like they went out of the jungle and something got them or they couldn't find their way back. But eventually it started happening more and more to the point where everybody was freaked out. Yeah, yeah. It was happening in twos and threes. And and little by little, the entire crew went from everybody's still alive, everybody's fine, we're taking care of things, to just Lonnie and, and uh, Bebo. Well, yeah, what happened is they eventually came across this place that they are in right now, and it was only here that they didn't get disappeared for some reason. While they were in the lab, uh, they were fine, nobody got lost, but they kept trying to send out, like, two or three people at a time to go, like, fix the, uh, the little beacon so that someone would actually find them. And every yes. time they sent anybody out, they never came back. Now, eventually, what would also happen is that the Enzine would reach out to other settlers and establish that the Empire had noted that the crash happened with the, with the misanthrope and blamed Bebo for it. So now he's wanted by the Empire. But that information was only available from the Enzine. So it might not even be true. Well, I mean, she saw it on the hollow net. And if you see something on the net, it's true. It's definitely, that's definitely true. I mean, you think think someone would do that? Just go on the hollow net and tell lies? No, I can't imagine. I feel like everything I've ever read on the hollow net is definitely true. And that's a quote I attribute to Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) You know, known space communist. (laughs) Shit, I forgot that he is canon in the Star Wars universe, according to us. (laughs) Uh... Uh, So... So Bebo's kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. Uh, the thing that has been keeping him safe, while while Lonnie had to spend all of her time hiding in this cave, what's been keeping Bebo safe, he reveals, is a pendant he's wearing. Yes. Uh, when they first got down here, they found this crystal with some circuitry and stuff in it, and uh, Bebo wore it, and it turned out that when he went outside while wearing this thing, he didn't disappear. He was fine. So that's probably also the like a miniature personal force field that was keeping him safe from blaster bolts as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he's, he's wearing basically a little imperial force field thing that he found in a secret laboratory, which he now takes her to see. Yeah. Uh, she was like, do you think who built this? Do you think it was the Enzine? He's like, yeah, well, there's that. And he points to the big old imperial symbol on the wall Oh, right. And then she has several minutes where she thinks about the imperial symbol and the, the significance of the way it is shaped. Oh, it where sure like, does look like a circle and a star in a circle, but so mechanical as if the very stars were under the control of the emperor. Yes, but and if you lie down close and look up at it, the imperial symbol looks like the city skyline, the skyline of a new Jerusalem. <laughs> you don't know what I'm doing, do you? I know exactly what you're doing. Okay, good. They don't. Sure they do. Everyone's listened to our 2016 Christmas episode of Movie Mastery. Of course. Obviously, everybody remembers us reviewing Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas. Hey, I see people reference that episode all the time. I think it has a little more cachet than a lot of the other Movie Mastery from right around that period. (laughs) I get requests, so do you, every once in a while for us to do fucking Fireproof as well. Ugh. So let's go ahead and switch right now, because, uh, surprise, John and I have both watched Fireproof. <laughs> now, now, John, uh, let's go ahead. I'm going to I'm gonna pause here for the movie mastery theme, uh, which there isn't one, so it's going to be, uh, I don't know, maybe 
you can light my fire or something. Some song about fire. <laughs> Some Maybe fire chili bowl by chili bowl by scooter. Do you think that one's pretty good? You, you like, mean fire, fire by scooter? The song is called Chili Bowl. Look it up. It isn't. Don't, it's called Fire. Are you questioning my scooter knowledge right now? Yes. I'm the. I can probably name four scooter songs. How many scooter songs can you name? One. Fire. <laughs> you can name none. It's called Chili Bowl. It for sure isn't. You're very wrong. <laughs> John, let me ask you what you thought about Fireproof right out the gate. No spoilers. No spoilers. Uh, best movie I've ever seen. Loved it. Top to bottom. <laughs> Same here. Uh, I think we're in agreement on that. The whole thing where he's like a Christian fireman who uh, saves his marriage through being good at fighting fires. Uh, as far as I'm aware, and I think Dean Kane might be in it. I don't remember. <laughs> uh, four out of five stars best movie i've ever seen that's i've that's never the seen a better than four out of five stars movie that's the highest rating i've ever given john your star rating oh definitely a six out of four <laughs> damn it well there you have it folks a, a, a 10 out of 10. nine <laughs> out of, a 10 out of nine for fireproof and now we go back to star wars Ugh. so anyway dv shows up and is like i'll rescue you we really need to determine the accent for DV. Do you think he should have an overwrought British accent? Is that what we want? I mean, I don't know. He... Some Shakespearean-ass bullshit. <laughs> Dost thou think I would liketh this? Privy! Privy <laughs> Will thou, thou Terry? God damn it. <laughs> I love that even at a distance, it was the same fucking joke. <laughs> Uh, whilst thou tarry is the best thing you can say in that voice. <laughs> yeah, especially if you if you uh, proceed it with a quick prithee, sir. Maybe even <clears throat> a, if you're feeling saucy, a prithee, sirrah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, <laughs> DV shows up all show, uh, uh, chivalrous and is like, "I'll save you. Stand back. I'm a combat B or DV." Yeah, and he make he makes a noise. He makes a scary noise. Yeah, he uh. He had at one point recorded the roar of a crate dragon on Tatooine, and of he just course. plays it back to be spooky. Keep in mind, once again, that crate dragons are largely a mythological thing. Yes, they exist, but they're exceptionally rare on Tatooine. And that that's why the Obi-Wan pretending to be one had a sort of religious immediate power over those sand uh, people. And, yeah. and yet, now it's just... Any random droid just stop. There's probably a fucking zoo. <laughs> Come ride a crate dragon. There's hot dogs. See a rancor. Those aren't rare shit either. Come Everybody. on down. We've got used land speeders. And crate <laughs> dragon rides for the kids. <laughs> stop by and meet our friendly soup guy. Soup. soup. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. Well. Uh, yeah, DV shows up to try and rescue her. He he announces that he learned a crate dragon roar on Tatooine once, and he thought it would be helpful. But, you know, they, they're pretty much diffuse immediately. They're like, look, B DV, Bebo's not a bad guy. He's just showing me around this creepy laboratory. Hey, what do you make of it, DV? And DV's like, oh, fucking Hool's going to want to know about this shit immediately, because we sort of assumed this was a weird backwater where no one was on it, and now we found a secret Imperial laboratory. Well, notably, yeah, especially because this planet is supposed to have only been on the star charts for like the last six months. So that means that the Imperials knew about it in advance before it went onto the star charts and were doing shit here. Oh, yeah. Before Bebo ever crashed here, 
the laboratory was already abandoned by the time he crashed. Absolutely. Uh, so now they, they get down to business of trying to scour this place for like files and stuff that they can read. Yeah, they're looking around, trying to get some stuff. And of course, uh, he tells the entire story of like how the Enzine were super nice and kept feeding us and feeding us. <laughs> Sewed my asshole shut. Yeah, we kept. we eventually found that book they wrote. How to Serve Man. We're going to do that joke in every episode, so just every get used to it. Every single one. Every one. It's in every episode. Uh, Bebo doesn't trust them, the Enzine, that is. Uh, that's correct, yeah. He he knows there's something suspicious and weird about them, and this just reinforces Tash's suspicion. Yeah, and she's like, you're right. I don't like them. Mm, they're weird. Yeah, and it's finally at this point that Bebo reveals his necklace, and he's like, look, look, is protection spell. <laughs> and I, I, it's it's a weird moment where he he talks like a, a skexies. I'm not sure why, but but yeah, when Tash is like, well, I gotta go leave to find Hool to tell him about this place. He's like, no, no, don't go, stay, friend. But he eventually give he gives her the talisman so that she'll be safe. And he's like, I'll just stay in here because yeah, you don't die when you're in here. He's like, look, you go figure out what's going on. You find help. You come back to me. And I don't want to go out there because everyone thinks I'm crazy, but no one thinks you're crazy a lot yet. They kind of <laughs> Everyone do. already thinks everyone already thinks you're crazy because you keep talking to me and you're seeing the same weird shit I am. But, you know, maybe you don't have quite the reputation I do. So you go try and convince people that all of this shit we can't prove is happening. Mm hmm. And with that, she leaves and uh, has the necklace now, which should theoretically keep her safe. But she makes her way uh, through the forest, trying to make her way back to town, and that's when she hears it again. The slurps. The deadly slurps. Uh, oh, we do have to let you know, before that, Please that do. Bebo gets uh, ganked. Oh, right. I'm sorry. I forgot what order that happened in. Uh, when she leaves, it's briefly after that that Bebo goes to sit by the edge of a big pit that's down in the laboratory that just kind of looks down into yawning blackness, but he's always felt a special sense of dread from there. Yeah. And then, there's like uh, a deep rumbling within it. Ooh, it's spooky. Yeah, it's very spookity. And But that's when he hears a noise and a shadow falls over him and a gank speaks. And the gank's <laughs> like, yeah, you're going to get what's coming to you. This is courtesy of the boss. <laughs> Smarter says hi. <laughs> uh, oh, that's very nice. Tell him I said hi as well. Ask him if he like likes me. <laughs> Give him this note. Do you like me? Yes. Yes. Oh, come on, Bebo. <laughs> the second yes has exclamation marks and a heart around it. <laughs> oh, I see Smarter written in no and checked it. Well, <laughs> you may as well playing. blast me and push me in the pit then. Oh, wait. Is he just playing hard to get? <laughs> anyway, he gets blasted and pushed in the pit. Yeah. <laughs> It's so sad. He's survived all of this time on a planet that wants to murder him, and then just some gank is like, hey, fuck you, and shoots him. Well, it's very weird that he was like, hey, I should just give away this necklace that's kept me alive for 20 years. Well, he's like, oh, the only thing that keeps me alive is being in here or wearing the necklace. I'll just be in here. Turns out, though, he didn't really realize that the necklace was also giving him immunity to blaster bolts. So mm -hmm. the second he gives it away, someone shoots him. 
Oh, Bebo, you should have just realized that immunity to blasters and the planet eating you was inside that necklace all along. <laughs> uh. and, yeah, he's dead, and, uh, <laughs> and Tash is continuing to wander lost through the woods. Indeed. And that's when, while talking to DV about, like, do you think people will believe me now that I have proof and a weird necklace and a crazy laboratory? And he's like, oh, you haven't got any proof. To have proof, other people would have to go down to the laboratory. You just have a weird necklace and the say-so of one droid. And here's the thing you need to know. I'm going to betray you. (laughs) I like to lie. (laughs) When people ask if you're serious, I'll be like, oh, no, it's the the flight of fancy of a 12-year-old girl. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, It's wonderful. You've made a terrible mistake in trusting me. You've made quite an enemy this day. <laughs> no, he's just sort of like, I don't know, maybe people will trust you. In any event, Hul's going to be very excited to know about it. Slurp, slurp. And then, yeah, they hear the slurp, slurp. Oh, it's not unlike the blood-sucking leeches of Sir Carperus Four. Mm-hmm, that's great. Yeah, thanks, Bebo. <laughs> or DV. Thanks, DV. I'm really excited to learn about leeches or whatever. Yes, you see, they also go slurp, slurp. Yeah, Real weird. Not even making a slurping noise. They say slurp, slurp. <laughs> it's their whole language. They're sentient. <laughs> oh, yes. Tonal language, you know. It's how they say yeah. slurp, slurp. They're actually just people. They're just a the sort of people I don't care for. I'm very racist. <laughs> I call them leeches because I believe they're parasites on society. <laughs> yes, other people call them Alderanians. <laughs> Oh, fuck you, Tash. I'm glad your planet's gone. I would have blown it up myself if given the chance. (laughs) Fucking deep. Oh, Uh. he's the worst when you make shit up about him. Yeah, it's great. I love it. (laughs) Okay, well, yeah, they hear the slurps, and then they go through a clearing, and, uh, and sure enough, as they hide behind a tree and look into a clearing, there's a whole bunch of Enzine, including uh, uh, Chewed among them, and they are indeed making the slurping sound. And John, how are they making that slurping sound? Oh, with their their mouths. Mm-hmm. They're making the slurping sound with their mouths. That's right. Well, yeah, That's, she. I want to. Yeah, she gets there and sees like just a group of them standing around, and Chewed comes walking out. And at first, she's like, "Oh, I should like call out and say like, hey, Chewed, what's up, my dude? I just seen a laboratory. You know anything about that?" But instead, he goes all venom mouth, has like a long wriggly venom tongue and a big toothy venom grin and he's all venomy <laughs> yeah it basically turns into venom and then <laughs> in the scariest thing anyone could ever possibly think of he sticks his tongue into the ground indeed and begins slurping the dirt <laughs> yep he slurps that dirt right before he wheezes the juice <laughs> kids i know we've had a lot of fun today but if any of your friends are into slurping the dirt be sure to tell an adult Remember, just say no to dirt slurps. <laughs> uh, no way, man. Dirt slurping's for losers, and I'm into uh, Kurt flurping. Are they buzzing the brown? Slurping the dirt? You know what I mean. <laughs> Smoking that soil? Ah, uh, never trust anyone who's slurping the dirt. Si- uh, or uh, symptoms that your kid may be slurping the dirt include a dirty mouth, a big long tongue, constant references, <laughs> uh, constant requests for ground beef in ground round variety. <laughs> yes, that 
if you see your children slurping the dirt, you're going to want to contact a professional. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they're, sl- they're, they're eating the ground somehow. They're sticking their tongues into the ground. Uh, yeah, they're, and, and they're th- treating the planet like a big old Capri Sun and their tongue is the straw. <laughs> they're making a hole in the ground so they can make love to it. <laughs> and dirt virginity. They're making themselves a good old-fashioned Virginia-style dirt virginity. Uh, but then... As the chapter changes, they look up and they notice that they are being watched. Oh, no. And they're immediately like, she has seen us! Get her! And Tash is like, what? Why? I don't I don't get it. Like, why are you angry that I saw you? You're just slurping the dirt. Look, it's it's 2020. I've got an open mind. Look, We I- slurp the dirt back on Alderaan all the time. That's why we're so glad it's gone. It tasted amazing. Look, I'm 530 friendly. You know, the <laughs> slang for slurping the dirt. Yeah, because 30 rhymes with dirty. It's a, it's a British thing. Yeah, it's cockney rhyming slang for slurping the dirt. <laughs> Everything's uh. slightly different in England. <laughs> uh. I also hate the British. Yeah, thank you, DV. <laughs> yeah, most people do. Thanks. <laughs> They're quite similar to Alderanians. Parasites, a lot of them. Okay, uh, well, anyway, they're they're now being chased through the woods. This chapter is very short. Yeah, so DV is like, uh, we gotta go, and just pushes Tash and is like, let's fucking move it! Yeah, and Tash, when she gets shaken awake, kind of starts to run. And and she's running as fast as she can through the woods, but ultimately these Enzine are very comfortable here on this planet, and they are much faster than she is. And as she's running away, she can hear... Uh, DV, who's a protocol droid, of course, tottering along behind her, and then he falls and is quickly overtaken by the Enzine. Yeah, he falls and trips over something and is just like, run! Do not worry about me! They can't slurp me! <laughs> I'm unslurpable. It's because of my AAV1 unslurpable vibrobrain. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, well, we can certainly try. Yeah. Or as we say here on Enzine or Devourin, we can slurpingly try. <laughs> That's right. We've got a whole bunch of new slurp-related catchphrases that we're going to start using now that you know our slurperit. I mean, secret. <laughs> That's right. We didn't use it before because we wanted to keep it a slurperit. But now, <laughs> the slurp's out of the bag. <laughs> oh, God. Now I hate you as well. <laughs> oh, everyone's terrible. <laughs> Now you're going to be going to the Slurfberry Mines. <laughs> Wait, aren't you guys just Smurfs now? No, no, we're not. We're much worse. <laughs> I'm so okay, much worse. So, I'm Brainy Enzine. <laughs> they're chasing her through the woods, and then they finally manage to get her surrounded, and they're like, you know our secret, Tash. You must die. But why are you making people disappear? We have harmed no one. Then what's going on? You'll never know. Wait, I just thought you said I knew. Oh, um, fucking, uh... Well, you do, I, I guess you know that we're doing something. You just can't, uh, you can't know what, what it is that you know that we're doing. Yes. Slurp. <laughs> well, that's offensive. Don't just say slurp in front of her. <laughs> no, so, at this point, she's scared, she's surrounded, there's a bunch of venom-tongue, angry blue dudes, and that's when she's like, I know. I'll use the force. Yeah. You know, she was fear and dread and had so much going on and it was overwhelming. And yet there was another feeling, a sense of peace and calm 
powerful? Like some kind of force? <laughs> she closes her eyes and starts thinking about how the force works, like how it binds objects together, but can also push them asunder. And she starts trying to push the Enzine away from her with her force powers that she isn't even sure she has. And she's trying and trying. And as she's doing it, she starts to feel a rumble underneath the ground. She has a rumbly in her tumbly. I guess it's time for her to do her stoutness exercises. <laughs> I just like when she's thinking about the Force, she does the entire little speech that Obi-Wan gives. Like, yeah, word does. for word. Like, someone just wrote that down on the holodeck for her to find. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, Princess Leia always saying that. So weird. Uh, yeah, so she has the entire Force speech, and as she's doing it, she starts feeling the world shake. But when she opens her eyes, oh no, she's not really been using the Force. There's just an earthquake. Yeah, and the Enzine are freaking out. And yeah, they're like, oh no, a slurpquake. <laughs> I think you uh, mean an call... Earth slurp. <laughs> oh shit, you're from South Devourin. <laughs> we don't like you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so like trees are falling down. All sorts of clouds of dust and stuff are getting kicked up. It's a huge, ridiculous mess. Yeah, it's a crazy, powerful earthquake, probably because the whole planet's alive and someone just fed it a dead hobo. <laughs> and and, and uh, it's not thrilled about that. And, and all of the Enzine are so taken aback by this, this slurpquake that Tash manages to get around them and, and run, fleeing into the township of... Uh, I don't remember if the little town has a name, but the little township where all the settlers are. Yeah, the little city of Townsville. Yeah, she runs to the city of Townsville. And she rides or runs desperately into town, demanding help and yelling around. But the city is deserted. Ah, there's no one here, almost as if everyone has disappeared. Oh, no, I believe you'll find the term is dislurpeared. <laughs> okay, you're reaching. You're, re you're reaching at the... You're really... I. I <laughs> okay oh, jesus okay <laughs> all right so that's the end of the chapters this week there's two more episodes you goddamn right there are i'm loving this it's uh it's a it's a real treasure <laughs> it's a real stupid treasure and it's great yeah reading this is a treat and i love it yeah sadly i've already started ordering star wars books for for grown-ups oh, to boo. get us <laughs> The special editions are getting ready to come to an end. These so kids' sad. books are way more expensive. I don't I don't like having to buy them. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the end of this episode, John. I know that we are getting ready for the next one, but in the meantime, there is always Star Wars bonus content available for rent. <laughs> for rent or purchase. For a dollar ninety-nine SD and two ninety-nine HD. <laughs> You need so that HD podcast quality so you can get all the mouth noises coming in super clear. I always love when the Amazon Prime thing offers you the HD, but it's some shitty movie from the 80s and there's no way HD is going to make a difference. Oh, yeah. They're like, hey, it's fucking trouble comes to Frogtown. You could get it in HD. No, you can't. Stop that. <laughs> yes, I would like to pay an extra $2 for an HD version of Hawk the Slayer. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, our actual bonus content is two bucks to get the Star Wars stuff over at patreon.com slash 
system mastery. Yes. Head on down there, and if you pay us at the $2 level, uh, you will get access to our System Mastery bonus content and our Expounded Universe bonus content. That's like six podcasts a month, usually. It's a very good deal. Yes, indeed. Yes. So, yes, head on down and support us. We It helps us keep the show going and feeds our families, and you are the best for helping us if you're already on the support train. Hell yeah. Join us for that bonus content. It's a slurping good time. Now, don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. <laughs> and I don't know. Ring that bell. Is that a thing? Is that is that a YouTube? Do we thing? have bells? I don't know. I I don't even know how YouTube. I, I mean, can I tell you a horrible secret, John? I'm not subscribed to a single channel on YouTube. Oh my god, that's terrible. I never have. I've never liked a video, and I've never subscribed to a channel. Then you're not helping I, the metrics. The people you like I, don't get the metrics now. I know. I'm not sure if that makes them get less money or whatever. I mean, there's so. like. The number of subscribers basically is a metric for how much someone would probably be willing to pay them to do stuff. Like, if they wanted sponsorship, and you go like, oh, the numbers show I have, like, a 100,000 subscribers, they'd be like, okay. But if you're like, I have a million subscribers, then they're like, yes, you. All right, well, then what I'm hearing is that I actually hold a significant amount of power because I have remained aloof all this time, and yet I have watched all your videos. It is I who shall determine who gets my subscribe. It is it is like you are a pirate upon the high sea, taking what thou wilt. Yeah, and yet I could sell my services. I could become a princess, purchasable for the correct amount of dowry. Listen up, if you're like some bread tuber or something and you want one more subscriber, wow me. Let me like listen. If you're Dan Olson, I'll like and subscribe your channel if I'm on your show. Ah, uh, for a dollar. <laughs> oh no! <sighs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Go support us on the Patreon. Thank you again. I've been Elan Sleesbachiano, and I slurp death sticks. 